Welcome to The Entrepreneurial Lawyer, How to Grow Your Law Firm, a podcast for managing and growing your legal practice. Lexicon CEO Dan Cuneo and Director of Legal Operations and Training Sarah Rutan Bates discuss how to make your law practice profitable in the modern legal industry. Hello, and welcome to this episode of The Entrepreneurial Lawyer. I am your host, Dan Cuneo, along with my fun-loving, hard-working, courageous co-host, oh, like Sarah Rattan-Bates. Just Hello, how are you? Checking off the list. I like it. Hi, how are you? I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm so excited for today's episode. It's, it's going to be a good one. It, it touches everything. It really does. It, you know, actually, it's funny you say that, though. I don't think most people would tie it all together. So I think that's what makes this episode really informative. Yeah. Let's go ahead. Let me introduce our guest so we can just jump right to this because we are time limited and there's so much to talk about. Today, we're fortunate to have with us Roy Sexton. He is a current director of marketing for Clark Hill and was named president-elect to the Legal Marketing Association, also known as LMA, board of directors this year, right? Yeah, I I have... I have fooled a whole bunch of people into jobs I'm not qualified to have. Oh, I love it. Congratulations to you. you. (laughs) Yeah, congrats. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, what brought you to where you're at, and we'll go from there. Sure. Um, So I've been at Clark Hill uh, about three and a half years, uh, and I've been illegal about a decade. I was in healthcare uh, for about a decade before that and started my career a million years ago at Deloitte Consulting. So I've uh, truly, I, I sort of talked my way into one job after another and then go, oh, I'm like the dog that caught the car. What do I do with this? But I, I learn as I go. Uh, Clark Hill is a uh, 650 attorney strong firm with 27 offices coast to coast, as well as Dublin and Mexico City. I don't think people always realize we are as sizable as we are, which means I'm not doing my job very well as a marketing person, but I think we're AMLAW 109 or 105. We're always knocking on the door of the AMLAW 100. We'll see where we rank uh, after last year. But, you know, one of my tasks coming on board here was to help uh, with uh, work with my boss, Susan O'Hearn, who's our chief marketing and business development officer, and Megan McKeon, who's our director of business development, to really integrate marketing and business development more fulsomely than it had been before and also to reinvigorate the brand. Uh, Clark Hill had grown through uh, combination acquisition, um, you know, uh, friendly friendly partnerships, uh, and it picked up a lot of different regional firms, but had never done the work to put together that cohesive message of who we are and what we are and what we look like. So it's been a real fun journey, and we launched our new brand last year uh, around this time and the new website, and it was, a, it was a huge success, in part because of, I think, what we're going to talk about today, which is the importance of culture, and that you know what we've learned uh, in the past few years is that culture is so crucial to any organization, and really reflecting who you are and your values is of interest to your clients. And that was really job one for us in the brand relaunch. Hmm. I agree with you. Let's jump right to that because it really just builds on what we've been discussing for the past couple episodes. How would you describe trying to change the culture? What was your I mean, there's just so many ways we can we can dissect this. So let me ask you a, a better question. What's the first step in trying to redefine or rebrand the culture? Slowing down. Ooh. I think I think quite frankly, wow. marketing people come in and they think they have a sell by date. Many marketing people do, especially where lawyers are concerned. I think they 
no slight to our attorney friends. They tend to manage marketing people the way they would summer associates or, you know, let me give you a task list. And if you're not accomplishing the tasks I've come up with, you're not doing your job. Uh, so you still have to take a lot on low hanging fruit and things you might say, I don't know why we're doing this to earn the trust and the credibility. And you have to listen and learn from what the attorneys have experienced before. Most of these attorneys have not worked in other corporate environments. They don't know that a marketing department is there to think strategically. They think the marketing team is like Kinko's and is just there to fulfill a host of tasks. And the only way I have found it worked in three different firms to get them on my side is to listen first, not be defensive, protect your team, help lift them up, but listen first to what the attorneys are saying and what they're asking for. And often attorneys will ask for something because they don't know what to ask for and they don't want to admit that lack of knowledge. Attorneys, like I work with doctors and attorneys are the same way. We want them to be the smartest person who entered the room. So they tend to apply that same perspective to everything. And you have to give them the safe space to learn with you, which means sometimes you have to try some of the things that they, they've done before, explain how they could be done better, win them over, so then you can put together a brand that everyone sees themselves in. Because I, I sometimes joke that marketing people, do you ever remember the movie Dumbo? Uh, I'm not saying marketing <laughs> It's one of my favorite rides at Disney. Right. But you remember, you remember in the movie, the little mouse, the obnoxious mouse gives Dumbo a feather and says, if you hold this feather, you can fly. Well, Dumbo could fly anyway. Mm -hmm. But it's that one scene, I think it's the clowns, it's kind of creepy, there's clowns and there's a building on fire and Dumbo loses his feather and he's supposed to fly and he's and the mouse is like, I lied, I lied, you can fly anyway. I sometimes feel like marketing, we're the mouse with the feather saying, you can do this because the attorneys get the credit for selling themselves. The attorneys are the ones who reap the rewards from that. And quite frankly, I don't want to, I want to keep my job, but with a little focus and a little courage of their convictions, they can sell themselves but they don't know they can do that. But they tend to come to marketing with a lot of ideas that they think work that don't and don't trust marketing to help them with the things that will. And if you just arm them with a few items and you give them the confidence to have their voice in the marketplace, be it podcasting or thought leadership or webinars or things that our clients actually want. They don't want to go to a football game with you, attorneys. I'm sorry. They want to go to a football game with their family. They want from you something that helps them be smarter and work better. And when you get the attorneys there, you make yourself obsolete. And then you know you're successful as a marketing person. So that's kind of how I've always felt as a marketing person in legal. I'm almost as much a coach as anything, like giving the attorneys that platform to find their own voice. And then the clients pour in. They just do. How do you determine which thought leadership is the best? Because you, you think of, well, let me, I guess we should back up for some of our listeners who are, who are tuning in either for the first time or they're trying to scale their practice. Could you define thought leadership? Yeah, um, and, and we have a couple definitions. One I stole from Jay Harrington, who's, who's brilliant in this space because he's an attorney and now a branding person. But thought leadership is best served from the perspective of helpfulness. I Sometimes I say to the attorneys, is there a question you get asked all the time you're tired of answering? Write that up. Because people go to Google first, often now, to find an answer to something. And if they find your brief description of a solution, not a lead, not legal advice, but guidance on, you know, uh, one attorney I worked with a while back was working with startups. They said, put together a primer on how to put a startup together. You're tired of answering those questions over and over. You don't get much revenue from doing that. But if you make it easy for that startup to do their work, they're going to call you again when they have the harder problem. So 
thought leadership, I, I may differ a little bit from my, my peers on this. I don't worry about what is good or bad thought leadership. Every attorney is on a different continuum. Would I like every attorney to hit something out of the park? It could be in Harvard Business Review that's deeply insightful, understands the human condition, and tells people how to do something they've never done before? Yeah. Am I going to get that from them? No. Am I going to get some regurgitation of, here's a piece of legislation that came out and why you should care? Let's start there. I'm a theater person by training and not everybody comes on stage and is ready for Broadway. So work with where they are, build their confidence and have them do some of the, you know, pea gravel kind of thought leadership, which is just, here's something that happened. Get it out there, get it on, get it on social media, have your own following, see that you're somebody who's at least on top of the developments. And then as they get more comfortable doing that, I go, how about more of this? How about more of this? Can you provide more insight? Can you humanize this somehow? Can you can you add some approachability? Can you use language that business people will understand that isn't just written for other lawyers? But you can't get them out there out of the gate. And I think if you start at too high a bar, you're they're never going to write for you again. It's almost like thought leadership idol. Oh my gosh, <laughs> a little bit. So uh, you know, Roy, I'm listening. You say all of this, and and I'm hearing you dissect how. The rebrand, right? Basically, that's yeah. how we started here. So you have this rebrand. Um, you're setting the attorneys up for success. You're you're doing this thought leadership, these webinars. You're pulling the client in. You know, you're really yeah. educating and empowering the attorneys that they can sell themselves. So right. how does this concept apply, though? Because it's not always potential clients or clients going out and looking at the website or this thought leadership um, publications, you know, whatever that might be. What about new talent? They're looking well, at this it, stuff as well, right? They are. They are. So, you know, back to what we what we put into the rebrand, we worked with some different companies to help pull that together, obviously, in our team. Um, and, and the unique circumstances of the past year or two helped drive focus because we didn't have a lot of extraneous activities. We could have the, the the full light of the team on cleaning up our bios, being thoughtful about those the ways those were structured. We took the time to educate the attorneys on what makes a good bio versus reacting to. Um, but when we developed the brand, it was important, given how Clark Hill had come together, we wanted to pull the best of all the components. So we did a full uh, survey of everybody in the organization, every every attorney, Every employee, uh, we got like an 85% uh, uh, participation rate, which is unheard of in surveys like that. And we baked all that together and said, what is it that sets us apart from a service perspective, from a culture perspective? How do we see ourselves? And then we did a similar exercise with our clients and said, why do you use Clark Hill? What makes us unique? What makes us special? And then we put that together in a, in a framework, a rubric, Simply Smarter was our tagline that seemed to respond, resonate well with everybody, that we are an approachable firm, but you're getting exceptional talent in an accessible environment. But that's really the, who we are. We're, we're never going to make our clients feel intimidated by the intelligence uh, at the table, but it's there. Um, and, and then by a twist of fate, as we were about to launch the brand, we had a set of values that the firm had lived by for years but they'd sort of existed over in another vacuum from HR and they weren't pulled in front and center to the brand. And we said, that's our brand message. We've been putting all this other framework around what kind of our offerings we have, but our values are who we are. 
Um, and so we we put a video together with a local organization in, in the midst of everything. We found ways to get into all of our offices and video everybody. We had voices of people who worked in the firm, not just attorneys, uh, people who, who didn't go to law school, talking about why Clark Hill is special, why they work here. And what we found is both our clients and talent responded to that. More and more, the clients are saying, we want to make sure you're a solid organization, that you have integrity, that you're inclusive, that you care about your people. Because if you care about your people, that means they're going to work harder for us. That also serves us well with talent. So after we launched the brand in May, we then did subsequent videos uh, specifically to the various job classes we have to have people talk about you know, who we are and, and why we do what we do. So. You know, I just motioned to Sarah, I was like, you have so much information and I've been taking some notes. I want to break it down. You, you, you touched on bio. How important is it to have a strong bio online? It's crucial. Uh, you know, Sarah, you were talking about how do people find this material? We use social media very aggressively and strategically. We had 4.8 million views on our social media wow. last year. We use, yeah. we use boosting. Uh, we also uh, celebrate those who share actively. Uh, and we're finding that the, the the engagement rate is double benchmark with that material. So what we find, though, is that those are the breadcrumbs that lead people back to the website. Attorneys tend to fixate on the website as if it's Amazon. No one's going to. A, I'm sorry. Very few people are just going to a law firm website for fun to browse <laughs> and see what's there. They're going there to triangulate. It's a hub and spoke strategy. So you got to get that thought leadership out there. And sometimes thought leadership is just a, it's not thought leadership, but it's a picture of the attorneys volunteering. And we have a hashtag for that, Clark Hill Cares. Whatever it is, we do the softer stuff. We do the alerts. We do the webinars. It's all out there. They go back to the website and then they check to see that this is a real person. They go to LinkedIn too. And I keep telling the attorneys, you can focus on your bio on the website, but you got to focus on your LinkedIn presence as much. Because again, when you're going to hire somebody, I don't know about you, whether it's a lawn service or a repairman or, a, or an accountant, I look at their digital profile to see, are they real? Are they engaged? Are they there? So one of the things we did with our bio, we at, prior to the relaunch, we had these bios that, you know, like a stream of toilet paper that went on forever and ever and ever. And ever. No one's going to read all that stuff. So when we looked at the bio, we, we made sure we structured it in such a way that it was user-friendly. So again, if the hub spoke is driving people to the website, when they got to a bio, we didn't want just one, you know, 1200 word essay that no one's going to read. We had collapsible sections that we knew were going to constrain, quite mm -hmm. frankly, the attorneys and what all they could put in there. So we started with a lead, not dissimilar to the, the LinkedIn headline that people are used to, to say, let's consolidate down to a sentence or two, who you are and what you do. We did give them an expandable section where they could put everything that they thought their mother needed to see online that the clients didn't care about. And then we broke out their credentials, their their written work, their, their uh, uh, educational element so that at any point the user could go in and get the information that they wanted. But we've used the bio as kind of that last stop on the way toward, toward potentially calling or hiring an attorney. You've already read their article. You've already read their thought leadership. You've attended a webinar. You don't start with the bio anymore. I don't believe that to be true. You start with other elements of who that person is. Someone might, in my case, I'm not a lawyer, but someone might listen to this podcast and go, I want to learn more about that guy. They go to my LinkedIn, they search me, they, they see that my bio on the website comes up in Google. So they check me out that way. And then, and then that leads them to want to have a conversation with me because they see, okay, there's, there's the background to, to what I just learned about. So. Okay. So you start with either thought leadership or webinars and you're just kind of building the brand of the attorney. You're building the brand of the attorney, the practice they're a part of, or as we call them business units or the industry they support. 
So, you know, I think of brands almost like nesting dolls. There's the overall Clark Hill brand that should provide lift to everyone. And, and it's a challenge to get the attorneys to realize that sharing content from their colleagues benefits them. They think, oh, I'm only going to share my own articles or share things that pertain to me directly. But if we put cultural information out there, if we put growth articles, what I find is people really respond to the growth of the firm. They're excited about that, both internally and externally. People like to be part of a winning team. So there's growing that overall Clark Hill brand. And then there's the practice area industry there's support. So a lot of our webinars, a lot of our um, uh, podcast content, the videos, we're developing videos by industry right now, tell that full story. And then the individuals within it, what I want them to do, what we want them to do is see those larger brands and go, I work at Disney and I'm an animator at Pixar. You know, I mean, it's that kind of thing. You're part of a larger entity and, and you're somebody that people want to work with because of the people you work with. And then we work with the attorneys individually on their thought leadership, their content. And you work with the willing. Some are, are, are more ready for this than others but the spirit of competition is strong. So you have success with one attorney, our first attorney who did podcasting. She said to me the other week, I'm too busy now. I can't even record episodes anymore. I said, don't stop, you know, because that then led other attorneys not to try and reinvent the wheel, but they said, well, you're making her successful. Can you do for me what you're doing for her? Otherwise they come to you and they go, I want a podcast and they don't listen to any of your advice that's already proven by somebody else. So use those internal examples of success to then kind of, Heard the cats. I hate that expression, but sometimes, you know, again, attorneys come to you like you're 7-Eleven and they're like, I want this. And you're like, well, I'm already doing it this way for this person. Can I do it the same for you? No, I'm different. I'm like, no, you're not. Let me tell you how it's successful over here. And let's, you know, let's, let's modify the recipe for your content and your voice, but we don't need to reinvent the entire wheel. I think Roy's going to have to come back. There's just a whole nother episode here. There's at least a couple. I agree. Hopefully you'll be willing to come back. Yeah. I have a a list of questions, but I will wait till next time. I will wait till next time. (laughs) Roy, if our listeners want some more information, what's a good website for you? Well, I mean, uh, go to ClarkHill.com or definitely follow me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm constantly sharing content both from the firm and then also in my role uh, on the Legal Marketing Association. I mean, we just finished our annual conference in Las Vegas last week, had 850 attendees, which in in this current moment is pretty remarkable. Wow. Um, Yeah. uh, and we were all there in Vegas together and truly inspired by one another. But, but what we, what we were talking about with great regularity is to truly reinvent this, this function in this industry is you have to, you have to peel things back a little bit and speak candidly and not just be responsive to the request, but think past the request and, and give them something more than what they realized they could get otherwise. But that, that requires marketers to have the courage of their convictions. But I think what we've done by integrating the culture you know, we, we, we think what is successful is what we know. And I found this true in healthcare as well. Some of our advertising we put out when I was part of the healthcare system, we did primarily because the doctors liked it. Because doctors, patients don't pick a hospital based on the ad they saw. They, they listened to their doctor or their neighbor. But the doctors, our bread and butter was doctors referring to the hospital. So the ads we put up were so the doctors felt they were being advertised properly, but it was just so they were happy and kept sending their their, their testing and their, their surgeries to us. And sometimes there's something in that for legal too. It's reflect the culture as they see they are, but highlight it and heighten it in a way they never thought the story could be told. Everybody thinks they're special. They want to know other people see them that way. And that gives people the courage of their convictions. Talent, talent sticks around. 
people want to work there, you know, and, and then success comes from the organization. If you just let people get out of their own way and have them stop fixating on the wrong stuff. You know, every attorney wants to send out pies and go to rodeos and go to football games and golf outings and things. And I'm like, it's a lot of time and energy and money for limited success. But if you let us tell your story for you and have people excited to meet you, then it's going to be that much easier for you to sell yourself as an attorney. I think you're spot on. Not yet. Uh, I wrote down a whole bunch of notes here, Roy. You can't see. Listen, if you want to start giving out pies and going to rodeos, I'm in. (laughs) I'm in. (laughs) That sounds amazing. Roy says no. (laughs) No, but. No, please no. Or, you know, do that, but don't make the marketing people. Like, fine, take somebody to a golf game. I I was just saying me. Just just give me a pie and take me because. I'll send you a pie. You're special, Dan. (laughs) You're special. (laughs) I'm glad my. Headphones for it now, uh-huh. so I could hear that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Roy, thank you. Yes, thank sure. you so much. Appreciate your time. Look forward to having you back. Uh, this is the Entrepreneur Lawyer. Thank you for listening. Please take time to like, subscribe, and please rate us five stars so we can continue to present this great information for those attorneys and firms out there looking to grow. And if you're interested in software, please visit lexiconservices.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Entrepreneurial Lawyer, How to Grow Your Law Firm, presented by Lexicon. Lexicon is a legal software and services provider that enables lawyers to do what they do best, practice law. Tune in next time with our hosts and be sure to subscribe and leave your review on your preferred podcast streaming platform or by visiting lexiconservices.com.